listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio. It's Friday, July 25th. Time flies when you're having fun. This week is episode 335. We're coming to you from Studio D at the IAQ Training, IAQ Radio World Headquarters in Central City, Pennsylvania. My name is Radio Joe Hughes and here with me in the studio and at the controls is our engineer, Jessica Lawson. Good afternoon. Good day, Jess. Back in Studio C in McKee's Rocks is my co-host and partner and friend, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Hey, Joe. Good to hear from you. Always a pleasure to work with you on the show. Good day, Cliff. And joining us for the roundup will be our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Weil. Today's segments include, we've got a great interview today. We've got Dr. Bill Bonfleth, uh, immediate past president of ASHRAE, professor up at Penn State in the Indoor Environment Division. Looking forward to a nice chat with Bill. Uh, and, of course, we'll have our roundup. We'll bring in Dr. Weil. Before we get started, let's take 20 seconds to thank our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon, J-O-N-D-O-N dot com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, we've got a lot to do, so let's just say quickly, you can download the show from iTunes or go to the iaqradio.com website, follow the link that says go to show, and there you can either stream the show or download it to your MP3 player or whatever you listen to uh, audio on. Also, we have continuing education credits available. Just email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com, and last but not least, Please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Check out that Healthy Building Professional Summit coming up in August. Uh, got some great speakers coming in, and our keynote will be Dr. Hong Chung. He was a guest here about three weeks ago. All right, let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Prize by outcompeting fellow IEQ radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IEQ radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is very easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in the answer via your computer. Congratulations. John Lapotere for the first correct answer to last week's trivia question, identifying Carl Friedrich Gauss as the German mathematician referred to by the Latin title of Princeps Mathematicorum, the foremost of mathematicians. The IQ Radio Trivia question for Friday, July 25th, 2014, has been sponsored by Triska the Tri-State Restorers and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for 
They're members for over 30 years. Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is www.trsca.org. Now for this week's trivia question. ASHRAE is a global society advancing human well-being through sustainable technology for the built environment. Through research, standards writing, publishing, and continuing education, the society and its members focus on building systems, energy efficiency, indoor air quality, refrigeration, and sustainability within the industry. Today's trivia question is, what year was ASHRAE founded? Back to you, Joe. All right, Cliff, thank you. Today's guest is the immediate past president of ASHRAE, Dr. Bill Bonfleth. He's also the Department of Architectural Engineering a professor at Penn State University. He's the director of their Indoor Environment Center within that Department of Engineering. And he has been employed there since 1994. Prior to that, he was a consultant with ZBA in Cincinnati and a principal investigator at the U.S. Army Construction Engineering Research Laboratory in Champaign, Illinois. His bachelor's, master's, and Ph. degrees are all in mechanical engineering from the University of Illinois. At Penn State, he teaches undergraduate courses in HVAC fundamentals and controls and also teaches graduate courses in chilled water systems, hot water and steam systems, and indoor air quality. He's got a wide range of research interests, including topics like chilled water pumping systems, stratified thermal energy energy storage, uh, protection of building occupants from indoor bioaerosols, and ultraviolet germicidal irradiation systems. He is the author or co-author of more than 100 technical papers and 11 books and book chapters, and he still consults regularly on design of chilled water thermal energy storage systems and has been involved with numerous projects worldwide. He's also a fellow of both ASHRAE and the American Society of Mechanical Engineers, has numerous awards and uh, received numerous awards and made numerous presentations for ASHRAE, and he's the immediate past president. We've got some music. Welcome from Penn State, Dr. Bonfleth. Do we have you on the line? Hey, thank you, Joe. Glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, we we talked before the show actually uh, yesterday. It was great to get to know a little bit about you. And one of the things we talked about was some of the current activities you're you're involved with at ASHRAE. What can you tell us a little bit more about what the Indoor Environment Center does? Uh, Indoor Environment Center at, at Penn State is uh, a center that. Uh, we formed uh, a little over 10 years ago to provide kind of a brand for the research that we were doing that related to indoor environmental quality. And my own interests, of course, were indoor air quality. And uh, we've done quite a bit of work in, in that period, a lot of it having to do with bioaerosols, with uh, uh, things like uh, allergen-containing dust and how it's resuspended from uh, from the floor and other surfaces of the building. And how that leads to exposures. Uh, of course, UVGI, which you've mentioned, we've done uh, both analytical and experimental and field study research on that. We've done quite a bit of work on uh, air and uh, pollutant flow simulation and risk assessment using that tool. And uh, when 
it was a, a hot ticket. I did a lot of uh, CBR defense-related work. Uh, but we also had uh, some, some lighting research done uh, in, in the center and, and particularly some lighting energy uh, integration research. So uh, uh, to some extent, whatever we can, can bring in, but with a focus on indoor environmental quality coupled to other aspects of building performance. How does the, it work for the students in, in the Department of Architectural Engineering? Do they is this like a specialty within that department, or is it something that they're required to have? I mean, do all the architects have to learn a little bit on indoor air quality? Yeah, well, first of all, our students are actually engineers. We're in the College of Engineering, and okay. we're in a, an ABIT accredited engineering program. We have a separate department of uh, architecture. All of our students in their curriculum have to uh, study IAQ in some of their basic HVAC design courses, but uh, what the Indoor Environment Center does is mainly tied into graduate uh, research programs. So it supports uh, graduate students who are interested in working on IEQ-related uh, research. I see. Now, do do the architectural, the, the people from the architectural school, do you work with them at all? Yeah, our, uh, our program is uh, one of the uh, several five-year architectural engineering uh, programs in, in the country, and uh, our students in, in the AE department get uh, about the equivalent of a semester of architecture courses taught by architecture faculty, uh, which teaches them about uh, architectural design concepts and a little bit about architectural theory and history, and uh, architectural engineering teaches courses on uh, building systems to the architecture department, so on uh, structures and on uh, uh, building services, so lighting, electrical, mechanical systems. Is there some kind of uh, tie-in with, like, the building science? Do you have a <clears> – <throat> excuse me, I noticed something somewhere on, on building science in one of the – I looked at so many things before we, we got together. Is there um, anywhere that that's tied in with, with both groups or with one or the other? Uh, sure, of course. You know, my, my definition of building science is everything scientific that has to do with buildings, but some – Use that very narrowly to uh, to focus on the envelope, and we do have a building envelope course that was uh, developed, actually, I believe, by uh, one of our former department heads who's no longer here, and that came more or less out of our uh, housing research center, which is another center that's connected to the architectural engineering department. So we have this uh, course on on uh, building science if you will, that uses Straub's text, if you're familiar with that, uh, from Waterloo on, uh, on the envelope. And we have another interesting course that I think relates to building science in my mind, which is, is called Building Failures. It's taught by Kevin Parf, one of our structural faculty. But it's really a, a great course on, on why envelopes of buildings uh, fail so many times. And, and they actually use examples of real building failures on campus, which are easy to find as part of the uh, uh, the material for that course is there you know that's fascinating and i'm wondering is there has there been any thought about uh you know taking that outside of the university and maybe allowing people you know how some of these universities now have these online programs where you can take free courses etc seems to me that would be a really interesting course for a lot of people that listen to this show I certainly agree with you. I, I don't know if there is any uh, plan for that, but uh, as, as you're probably aware, that's one of the uh, the growing trends in universities is to do that, uh, to have uh, online 
courses and to make content available free. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that happened eventually with a popular course like that. All right, let's let's move on a little bit more. Oh, I have one more. I thought about this after we talked, and I wanted—I don't know if you had time to. I'm sure you have a general idea. How popular is the the study of the indoor environment? Let's say today, compared to maybe ten years ago, when you, when you first were getting started with it, is it is it gaining popularity? Is it losing? You know, popularity about the same. Yeah, what you're asking about here at, at Penn State, I think we've been making some progress in in uh, increasing the awareness of our students of the importance of IEQ, and I think that uh, they have tended to develop uh, an interest in that area along with the development of, of green building uh, sustainability protocols like uh, like LEED. So they, they learn a little bit about that when they get interested in in lead, but I've been teaching a course here in, in uh, indoor air quality for uh, for over ten years, and uh, it gets less enrollment than a course on energy would, but uh, not bad. And of course, we also have in the IEQ area some daylighting courses and others that are are uh, uh, very uh, closely connected. Cliff, I'm sorry, I forgot to turn it over and make sure that if you had a follow up or question you'd like to put in here, let's get you on. No, I don't, but I'd like to know, Bill, thanks again for joining us. And what in what area of indoor environmental quality is most interesting to you? Yeah, because I have two answers to that question. One is whatever I'm working on now. Okay. Um, so, so current research is always very interesting. So I, I find uh, uh, UVGI and, and trying to see uh, what we can do to develop that technology to see whether it really works and to come up with rational ways of designing systems to be fascinating. But I would have to say that generally, to me, the, the most interesting aspect of, of IEQ today is to define health and productivity effects in a way that can be monetized. I, I think that uh, one of the reasons that we aren't making as much progress as I think we should be making in, in uh, better IEQ in buildings is that you have something that, that is rather nebulously defined in terms of better or worse compared to something that's defined in very clear financial terms, which is the, the cost of equipment in a building and, and the cost of the energy to, to operate it. So if we could solve that problem, I think we would have solved most of the issues that are keeping uh, IEQ from, from rising to the level of importance that it deserves to have. You know, use the term UVGI a couple of times. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners what that stands for? Sure. It stands for ultraviolet germicidal irradiation, and uh, it's the use of uh, primarily uh, UVC band uh, ultraviolet radiation, which can be produced at uh, uh, 254 nanometers by a low-pressure mercury vapor lamps to control microorganisms. So it, it's used... Uh, routinely for uh, drinking water treatment, it's used for cooling tower water treatment, and it's been used uh, for quite a long time for uh, both air disinfection and for uh, disinfection of surfaces. You know, I understand that when you're using UVGI, uh, you have, or the manufacturer has the option of having a bulb that you know would produce some ozone or a lot of ozone or no ozone. Um, do you use UVGI in conjunction 
you know, with glass that can produce ozone in any of these applications? Um, no, I, I think that uh, anytime you say ozone uh, <laughs> uh, today, it, it, it creates bad associations, and, and I don't think that uh, the ozone is is helpful that's produced by lamps because, as the EPA has uh, stated rather clearly on their website, that the, the levels of, of uh, ozone that it, that it takes to really uh, uh, address indoor air quality issues are harmful to, to humans. So I want uh, no ozone produced by UVGI system. So I will use the glass that, that filters that are coated lamps to, to keep the... Uh, ozone-producing wavelength out. Thanks, Joe. You know, uh, Dr. Bonfleth, we, we see a lot of advertising for UV and, and for uh, applications within mechanical systems, for instance, and trying to help improve indoor environmental quality by using that technology. What's the most where, – where do you see the most practical usefulness for UVGI? Um, yeah, that's a, another a really interesting question because it can be answered several different ways and, and one generic way of answering it is to say that that it, it would be most uh, practical in an application where you could measure the outcome um, and I, I think from that point of view applications like laboratories and healthcare where there's very uh, close monitoring of, of uh, what happens when you do an intervention are, are places where uh, you could show a, an economic benefit from from doing it. One, one really interesting example, and it, it's never been fully explained, is that there was an in vitro fertilization lab over near Allentown, PA, and they put in a number of air treatment systems, including a UVGI system, and they showed uh, that every time they changed the lamps, that the uh, percentage of successful fertilizations would go up and it would drop until they replace the lamps again, and it would go up again. So when you have that kind of data reinforcing the, the value of it, then that can be very effective. But if I'm going to talk about uh, other applications that might be good, I think that the UV coil cleaning application is a, a, a practical, economical one because uh, it does some air treatment, and it also keeps the cooling coil clean, which is, is likely to save some energy. So I, I think that's... Uh, uh, an important application, and uh, especially in hot, humid environments where coils are going to foul. And the other one that comes to mind is high-airborne uh, infection risk environments like uh, uh, homeless shelters and uh, uh, un-air-conditioned uh, TB clinics where uh, you can put upper air systems in and, uh, and do something to control the infection risk. And we we talked yesterday about some research projects and and trying to get some research into the hands of the practitioners and and if I recall correctly, you have at least one student, if not more, working on a project with respect to UVGI that that kind of goes down that path. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Uh, we have uh, at present two um, working air handling units. Uh, that have been fitted with coil treatment systems. One of them is in Tampa, Florida, and the other one is on this campus. And we are uh, taking a lot of data on them, both microbiological data to see what happens to the microbial populations in the air handling unit. But we're also, and, and primarily doing 
energy-related calculations, so flow and pressure drop, so that we can uh, get some idea of how much uh, treatment of the coil will change the resistance uh, coefficient of the coil and what that means in terms of annual energy use impact. And, and so we hope that that will then be something that we can feed into energy modeling of a building and someone who wants to evaluate the uh, the uh, economics of putting in a coil treatment system could estimate uh, for that location over the course of a year how much energy they would uh, would save and how much energy cost. Uh, so we're, we're working both on getting the data to support the modeling and we're also uh, developing the models as, as well. I think that's a very practical one. And we've also got some work going on to couple air and contaminant transport simulations with the uh, Energy Plus uh, whole building energy analysis program, which is one of the, the main ones in, in use these days. And I think that's critical is, is that we need tools where we can do air quality and energy at the same time right down to the combined economic analysis. It, it sounds like, and I know we talked a little bit about this, that there's more money, research money available for energy as opposed to for uh, indoor environmental quality. And it sounds like as a result, maybe some of those studies focus more on energy. Is that accurate to say? Oh, yeah, I, th I, I think so. I don't have uh, numbers off the top of my head to give you, but it's clear that uh, that uh, much more funding is available for anything that relates to uh, energy use of buildings and the impact of building energy use on climate change than on uh, indoor environmental quality. And then most of that money, of course, comes from government sources. And my, my friend, Rich, from University of Texas, Austin, was once uh, told when he asked for, I think, $250,000 out of a $4 million grant to measure outside air to do uh, related indoor air measurements to see if there was any correlation. He was told that uh, uh, once air enters a building, from the point of view of the government, it no longer exists. <laughs> it's it's no longer something that makes yeah. any, uh, that it gets any attention, huh? No, that's right. But the, and that kind of leads me into your your immediate past president position now at Ashray, and when you were the president, you had a, a theme that was shaping the next. And and I, I'd kind of like to have you talk to people about what your thoughts are with respect to shaping the next and indoor environmental quality and indoor air quality. Um. Happy to. Uh, the idea of shaping the next was um, that we, we always see uh, organizations like ASHRAE um, stating lofty goals, and, and often they're 2020, 2030, and we seem not to check whether they're achieved, and when we do, we find out that often we, we really didn't get anywhere close to them. So the idea was to connect our aspirations for the future to the present so that we're always moving intentionally uh, in a direction that we'll, we'll realize them. So, you know, shaping the next means that if we're going to reach the future, we have to do uh, the next thing right or else we're headed in, in the wrong direction. And, and so to that, I attach the idea of a process that we need to have goals, we need planning, and we need to have uh, commitment. And, and then I identified uh, among the goals three specific areas, our world, ourselves, and our work. And the IAQ emphasis falls under 
our world. If, if you uh, dig up ASHRAE's governing documents and look at what the purpose of the organization is, it's to advance the arts and sciences of HVAC and R, heating, ventilating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and all arts and sciences to serve the general public. So we're a, an organization devoted to public service, and uh, to me, the first thing that we need to do is take care of people's basic needs and quality of life, and what affects that any more than the quality of the indoor environment. Um, but yet, ASHRAE, like just about every other organization, has been distracted into a, a somewhat myopic focus on energy and, uh, and atmosphere, and so... I decided to, to stand up and say that we needed to go back and <clears throat> reassume the position of leadership that we had in the 1970s and 80s when we developed our first uh, standard 62 for ventilation for acceptable air quality. And then we formed our environmental health committee to bring the expertise of, of uh, health professionals and biologists and uh, industrial hygienists into ACTRAE. And when we started our, our indoor uh, air quality conference series. So I tried to, uh, to put us on a path to, uh, to get uh, IAQ and IEQ more generally kind of back on its feet in ASHRAE and as something that everyone was aware of and uh, that the organization supported more strongly. You know, you say everyone was aware of it and that that was your, uh, obviously, you know, your passion. And I assume that is there an, an election, and then that uh, is it the board of directors? No, actually, I think it goes out to the membership. The election, I'm not sure for the for the executive board. How does that work? Uh, Ashray uses a nominating committee uh, process, and it actually starts with our chapters. Uh, chapters have delegates to a regional nominating caucus, and, and uh, so they they bring names of the proposed directors and society officers, and uh, anyone who's a member can can recommend them, and eventually that rolls up to a society nominating committee that puts forward the, the slate, one position, one officer, the person per position that uh, the membership votes on. So it's really the nominating committee that determines who is, is going to go forward. And and I guess what I'm leading to is that they, they knew what your position was, and then you got nominated, you became president. So I assume the organization is buying into this theme. Yeah, or, or else they have no one to blame but themselves if they don't <laughs> like what I did. Um, but yes, I, I think so. And, and, and if you look at, at the history of ASHRAE, uh, IAQ has always been something that we've invested a lot of our resources in, but it has kind of been behind the scenes. When, when you're an organization that has 53,000 members and, and you have 100 technical committees and 100 standards committees and 3,000 volunteers working on, on these things, then... Uh, you, you tend to, to develop pockets of interest and expertise, and, and not all of them, uh, what, what they're doing is widely known. Cliff, do you want to get one more in before we take our break for halftime? No, go ahead, Joe. All right, let me, let me ask this before we break, and then when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk just a little bit about some of the recent news that's come about from ASHRAE. You've got the uh, Global Alliance, the... Uh, consolidation, merger, whatever it is with the Indoor Air Quality Association. We'll talk briefly about that. But before we do, what is the next with respect to indoor air quality? What do you see as the, the next thing that we should be looking at and, and improving upon? Uh, yeah, I, I have, have three things that I, I want to mention relative to this question. One is 
is, is putting a value on IAQ, which I also mentioned, so that we can optimize that along with energy and, uh, and atmospheric uh, considerations with climate change. Second is, is putting IAQ on the agenda of the people who control research funding so that the research that really needs to be done will, will get done. I think that's a big problem right now. And the third thing is to get the research community to work with the community of practice so the decades of, of great research that have been done on IAQ will actually start to show up more in our, in our practice, in our design guidance, in our standards uh, that, that are, are used every day by designers and constructors and uh, operators and, and maintainers of buildings. And I think when we come back from break, I'd like to talk a little more about that as well. We'll we'll, we'll start with the um, the two announcements. We'll go over them real quickly, and then and then I I think I'd like to talk a little bit about how you have set the table, I guess, for making sure these three uh, goals you know become a reality, and particularly the last one, which is of great interest to our listeners: research and practice together. You know, bringing those two things together. So, we're going to take a ninety-second break. We've got to thank our sponsors. We'll be back with our guest, Dr. Bill Blonfleth from Penn State, and past president, immediate past president of Ashray. Thanks to our association sponsors, the Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at www.iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanclenfax.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, we're back for the second half of our interview with Dr. William Bill Bonfleth at uh, Penn State here in Ashray. You know, I'd like to turn it over a little bit to the um, announcement you had uh, here that just came out maybe a week or two ago about some consolidation or merger of Ashray and IAQA. We're going to do a whole show on this, um, the 29th, for those of you that are listening in. We'll have uh, the current president of both ASHRAE and IAQA on together. But I know that you were very integral in, in, in seeing this through and have, having this occur. I'm just curious, uh, with respect to your perspective on it, how did this come about? I mean, what what was the, uh, you know, the, the driving motivation behind it, or was it something that just kind of fell into place? 
Well, I think it was was a, a question of uh, opportunity and, and preparation uh, uh, intersecting. I would say if I went all the way back to the beginning that some of this has to do with uh, my own relationship with uh, with Don Weeks, who's a past president of IAQA, but also a past uh, president of the Ottawa Valley chapter of um, of ASHRAE. So I met Don at the Nashville Regional Conference in maybe 2012, and then I bumped into him again at uh, the Isiac Healthy Buildings 2012 conference in, in Brisbane, and we got to talking about uh, how ASHRAE and, and IAQA really had a lot of common cause in the indoor air quality area, and we ought to work together more. And so that led to having some discussions in, in Washington, D.C., at ASHRAE's D.C. offices, uh, with with Don and uh, with uh, Glenn Fellman and with uh, Jeff Littleton and myself, and out of that came a memorandum of understanding that was signed at the ASHRAE IAQ 2013 conference in uh, Vancouver late last year, and so we were starting to do some things together, and and then uh, the real opportunity was that uh, IAQA decided to seek a new uh, provider of association management services, and they <clears throat> chose uh, to, to send ASHRAE that RFP, and, and ASHRAE's response was that uh, we really were not interested in, in simply providing association management to other organizations as a service. We've got plenty of work for our staff to take care of our own organization, but that we would be interested in, in some kind of a merger or consolidation where uh, IAQA, so to speak, came under the ASHRAE umbrella and, and was an independently operating uh, but affiliated organization. And so that's where we are now. That uh, proposal that we sent to IAQA uh, got us on the short list, and uh, the IAQA board decided to, to pursue that with us. And then now we're just at a very early stage in, in discussions about how we would actually do that. And in fact, we're still as the press release said in the, the due diligence phase, just making sure that everything looks good so that we can go ahead. But I'm, I'm very optimistic that uh, we're going to emerge from that with uh, a decision to, to go ahead and to consolidate the two organizations. You know, it seems like that it, it builds to, you know, uh, what is the next uh, and your three goals, uh, putting a value on indoor air quality, obviously doing that, gets the word out that, you know, ASHRAE does value this tremendously, obviously. Um, getting it on the agenda for research, I mean, that IAQA has tried to do some research in the past, but it's it's difficult without the kind of funding and the, the size that ASHRAE has and the recognition and the, and the, the awareness of what ASHRAE does. And then I think most importantly, the, the bringing the research and practice together, that should be a really good vehicle or, or, or method or, or way of bringing those things together. How do you see it? Uh, is that similar to the way you see this, uh, you know, kind of going on down the road? Is that some of your thoughts going into it? Uh, well, well, yes. I, I think that what we're looking for here is is a synergy of, of many kinds. In IAQA, if, if you look at it from their perspective, if I put an IAQA hat on, um, organization with about 3,000 members, that becomes part of an organization that has has uh, 53,000 in a worldwide grassroots network. So uh, IAQA will benefit in, in what it is doing now from ASHRAE's resources and, and reach and from 
are having chapters uh, uh, pretty widely distributed all over the world. From Ashray's point of view, uh, what we get is a, a, a permanent, dedicated IAQ focus as part of our organization. We actually have a, 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 a partner in the organization that does nothing but IAQ and that also emphasizes building performance, which is something that has come to be a very important uh, uh, strategic theme of, of ASHRAE. I think that will, will be strengthened by the, uh, the alliance with IAQA. You know, there was another announcement that came out about the IEQ Global Alliance, and I was wondering if you could tell listeners a little bit about what, what that is and who the members are. Uh, sure. I can... Uh, can tell you that, um, but it's it's uh, easy to, easiest to, to kind of quote from uh, a report from our ad hoc uh, that uh, came out just before our annual meeting. It's an interdisciplinary, international working group of organizations interested in indoor air quality and thermal comfort science technology and applications to stimulate activities that will help in a significant way to improve the actual delivered air quality in buildings. The formation of the alliance is viewed as the first step toward a broader effort to address all aspects of indoor environmental quality and environmental health. The objective is to get professional organizations currently involved in IAQ activities to work together to foster partnerships with other organizations, to speak with the United Voice regarding IAQ issues, uh, to be an interdisciplinary international group of professional organizations uh, that will uh, stimulate activity and interest in, in IAQ. So uh, we started out with an IAQ focus, but we want to uh, develop to a full IEQ focus. And since the announcement was made, we've actually gotten quite a few uh, inquiries from organizations that are involved in lighting and acoustics. And I don't think we'll be very, be very long before we bring some of those in. At this point, the, the members are, are ASHRAE, uh, American Industrial Hygiene Association, uh, Air Infiltration and Ventilation Center, Air and Waste Management Association, Indoor Air Quality Association, and the Federation of European Heating and Air Conditioning Associations. Those are actually the signatories to the Memorandum of Understanding. But we also have interest and uh, participation, more or less, in an advisory way from organizations like US EPA and World Health Organization, and some others. So what we're trying to do is build a united front to uh, to address some of these issues that we've already been uh, talking about here, to, to do the things that are necessary to actually get delivered good environmental quality in buildings. It's just a day of great news here on IAQ Radio. I tell you, it's, <laughs> it's exciting. It really is. I, I, it's nice to see this kind of um, spotlight being put on indoor environmental quality, indoor air quality, and um, I, I congratulate you on being able to pull these things together during your your tenure there. And um, good luck in you know continuing to help uh, pull this through over the next few years. Do you? Well, the president has a uh, you know a, a difficult job in Ashford because it's a, it's a one year presidency. So the things that you can actually get done in one year. Uh, are not going to, to change the world. Uh, you need to do things that are going to be enduring. And I think things like uh, the IAQA merger and this alliance and some of the other things that we've done this year are, are things that are going to uh, last and, and uh, be 
uh, ongoing long enough, we actually can change the landscape. Can you mention a few of the other things that you're you're most um, excited about that occurred over the last year while you were president? Sure, of course. Uh, we have a new strategic plan. You know, speaking of, of trying to get things in place that will uh, will lead to real change. So we approved a, a new strategic plan just before our annual meeting in Seattle in June, and that's actually started implementation. And anyone who's interested can go to the uh, actual website and and find that. So uh, that is, is a very ambitious plan. It's going to push us forward in the residential sector. It's going to push us forward in uh, developing our global organization. It's going to push us in the direction of, of broadening our, our uh, product uh, offerings. So I'm very excited about that, and it's a very uh, well-constructed plan with a business plan and uh, an implementation plan and uh, desired outcomes and metrics. Another thing is is this residential uh, area. We made some really good progress there with a presidential ad hoc. Uh, we had a uh, stakeholder workshop that had, I think, uh, 60 or 70 organizations represented, and that went uh, very well. And uh, I think somewhat out of the work of that committee, we received an offer from uh, National Association of Home Builders to partner with them and developing the content of the next ICC 700, the residential uh, green building standard. So we're very excited about that because it's the first time that ASHRAE has had that kind of presence in, in residential. Uh, we had a developing economies ad hoc uh, that is trying to figure out how to position ASHRAE to do something to support the developing world, and uh, we had also a conference on developing economies in the Philippines. Uh, our Building Performance Alliance produced a a guide on commissioning that was the work of many organizations that uh, we partnered with. Um, and I, I had a, a big year in terms of global outreach. Uh, that was really the other uh, strong emphasis in my theme besides IEQ. So I visited 29 countries last year and uh, more than 50 organizations, and, and that is already showing some uh, uh, some fruit in, in terms of uh, opportunities for uh, expanded interaction with some organizations globally. So those are some of the things that I think are highlights of, of the last year. And maybe on a more whimsical note, I also had a, a Facebook this year that, that got 1,250 followers, and, and I was, was really uh, pleased with the outcome of that, trying to show what I was doing on a daily basis and uh, got good feedback on it. Fantastic! I, you, it sounds like you're you're getting close to the Secretary of State with your travel. There is 59 <laughs> countries. <laughs> Don't have my own plane yet. Not yet. <laughs> we're, we're, well, I think I paid for one with the, with the airfare. Well, you'll be able to travel for another 10 years with your frequent flyer miles. There, it was. <laughs> quite, Who would want to? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The plane ain't what it used to be. It's nice to stay home once in a while too, but uh, that's fascinating. Now, one of the other things that I know occurred here over the last year was. Um, that the, the the document indoor air quality guide best practices for design construction and commissioning now that came out a few years back but I, I believe it was in the last year that that became a free is it a free download now that, that's right that was produced with uh, a grant from the EPA by partnership that included ASHRAE and I think AIA and uh, SMACNA and USGBC great document. But like a lot of these things, and again, with the kind of the low visibility of IAQ, between 2009 and 
June 2013, we sold 1,500 copies. I guess you and I bought two of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know who bought the other 1,498. But so, actually, you know, I started uh, hearing from Hal Levin that we ought to get this, uh, give this away. Hal's very active in the Ashford Environmental Health Committee. And I said, yeah, that's a good idea. So I, I pushed a little on it, and then we got agreement to do that. And so as of the beginning of my presidency last July, it became a free download. And so, you know, remember those numbers, 1,500 copies in four years. We've distributed 18,000 copies of it in the last 12 months wow. to nearly 11,000 unique email addresses. So, you know, the idea was to take uh, a product that was not selling that contained great information and to, to get it into wider use. You know, why not give it away if that was the way to, to get it out there? So I'm, I'm very pleased with that and uh, now, now it's something that uh, educators like myself can use in classes that uh, anyone can use to refer to a client uh, or uh, someone else that might want to know more about IAQ and uh, they can do it free. So you can go to the ASHRAE website and uh, and download it from there. Yeah, it's great. We um, Now I can use it too. I don't have to, uh, you know, get copyright and all that stuff. So it's great. I, I really appreciate that. And and then one of the things that I, I wasn't sure if this was a reference to this document or another one, was there some revision also that, that occurred um, when this came out for uh, a free download? Uh, a separate project, but there's a book called The uh, Green Guide that ASHRAE uh, published um, for the first time a number of years ago. It's already in the uh, the fourth edition, but uh, frankly, when I looked at the third edition, I was I was appalled by the, the coverage of, of IEQ in it, and I asked the ASHRAE uh, Environmental Health Committee if they would take it on as a project to revise the IEQ uh, chapter. So they completely rewrote it, and uh, that fourth edition that came out uh, at the beginning of 2014 has that chapter in it, and. Um, the Environmental Health Committee, knowing that the IAQ guide was going to be available free, uh, referenced it quite a bit in writing that chapter. So now we've got the Green Guide, which is actually a good seller that references the IAQ guide, which you can now get free. So I think the, that works quite well together. Ah, uh, okay. Now, now it makes sense to me. Cliff, so I, the Green I... Guide is, is really a compendium of tips for how to uh, to to do a green building. Okay. Okay, and that's also available, I'm sure, on the Ashway website for listeners that are interested. Yes, if you go to the bookstore tab, uh, you'll you'll find uh, both of them. Okay, Cliff, I've been I, I forgot to get you back in here. Do you have anything you'd like to add or any follow-ups? No, go ahead, Joe. All right, Good. great. This has been a lot of fun. I, I'm enjoying chatting here and uh, enjoying the the interview. And now there was another. Um, aspect to what you're doing with respect to indoor air quality and it's not just indoor air quality ashray does um webinars or webcasts and and um there was one on uh buildings in balance the webcast buildings in balance we talked a little bit about it yesterday i was wondering if you could give listeners some idea of what were some of the key points that you recall from that particular uh maybe maybe give a little overview of what it was and then what some of the key points were from that webcast yeah well yeah, I, I have to say that uh, I'll, I'll, I'll fess up and say that I was so busy traveling that I haven't had uh, had time to watch the whole thing through yet. But I can tell you what it was was about. 
uh, it was a, a program that uh, covered IEQ generally and how to to have IEQ uh, integrated in the design process. And the goal was that participants would be able to recognize the importance of acoustics, lighting, thermal comfort, and indoor air quality in design and, and to explain how system selection could benefit energy efficiency and, uh, and IEQ. So to, to try to uh, uh, take some of uh, what we know about uh, IEQ and, and make it uh, practically useful to the um, participants. So some of the things that were, were covered that I think are very important, and uh, maybe this is a, a good takeaway point, is the importance of actually getting into a building and seeing what it's doing, that you can't design a building and then walk away from it and assume that you've created good IEQ. So uh, they covered uh, the ASHRAE performance measurement protocols, which is a project that we uh, did to develop a set of uh, procedures for measuring uh, various uh, variables of interest in a building and to explain uh, the importance and the role of, of post-occupancy evaluation and getting a good outcome. Uh, there was some uh, discussion in, in the course of the, the presentations about uh, common design commissioning and operational pitfalls that affect uh, IEQ, and then finally uh, some discussion of how you can get both energy efficiency and, and good indoor environmental quality. So uh, good uh, uh, comprehensive overview of, of the kinds of, of things that I'd like to see happening all the time in, in our building design and operation processes. And that was a real popular, I think we had, what, 12, 15,000 um, views on that. And then it it didn't sell real well. And I wonder if you had any luck. Are we going to be able to get people to take a look at that down the road? Yeah, well, I've, I've been working on this. We, it, It's actually not, not just this webcast. We do it once a year. And uh, it's archived online for two weeks for those who didn't see it on the date that it was was first done, but our uh, committee that oversees this uh, found that they weren't selling many copies on uh, on CD afterwards, so they discontinued it. Uh, the the idea I have is maybe we can make it available as YouTube's, but I'm I'm only one day into try to trying to push that approach. I hope that eventually you'll be able to report that uh, that those are available, but right now they're not. We'll keep in touch and definitely uh, let people know if they do come out. Do you, is it a different? Um category each year or do you know what next year's plan is or uh i know it's been announced but i don't know off the top of my head what the topic is but it is a different one uh, every year and, and we've we had uh, two or three over the decade or so that we've been doing this that, that have focused on an ieq but it had, it had been a while generally they're about energy I'm going to run a little short on time here, so I, I want to get to. Um, you were at a conference in, uh, I guess it was in Hong Kong, the Ash, uh, the um, Indoor Air 2014 in Hong Kong. Yes, and, and I'm, I was, I haven't been to um, too many of those. I went to the one in Austin in 2011. There was so much there; it was really hard to take it all in. But I'm wondering if you could tell listeners what what some of your key takeaways were from your time at Indoor Air 2014. Sure. Well, it's just a great networking opportunity for anyone who uh, who takes the time to go. I mean, it's, it's an overwhelming technical program. They have have around a thousand papers presented, and they also have, in addition to that, some great uh, 
plenary and keynote addresses. Some of the things I took away from it and that anyone would take away is how interdisciplinary uh, this field is. You, you see the medical people, the biologists, the engineers, architects. Um, you really start to see that it, it takes uh, a very interdisciplinary effort to, uh, to comprehend and to apply what we are learning about IAQ. Another is the, uh, the importance of household air pollution. That's more of a developing economy issue, but uh, as you may have seen in the World Health Organization's uh, uh, publications, they estimate uh, something like 4.3 million deaths per year due to PM 2.5 that's produced by indoor solid fuel combustion, and that's most in the developing world. Now, there were some very interesting sessions on that. I think that's something that we urgently need to do something about. Uh, the urban scale, uh, the effect of outdoor air on indoor air. Uh, around the world, we're seeing a trend of urbanization. In some places, even a promotion of urbanization, that is starting to create issues uh, of, around things like the ability to use outdoor air for ventilation. So more and more, we're seeing the development within the indoor air community of uh, a focus on uh, urban design and on the uh, the uh, analysis of the urban scale. And of course, Hong Kong's a great place to do that because uh, with the city backed up against the mountains they, they and very tall buildings, they have a lot of trapped air down there that isn't changed very regularly. And the other thing is the energy environment IEQ nexus. I think that we're starting to see uh, more awareness of the need to address all of these things uh, together in a coordinated way. So those are my main takeaways from uh, from the conference at this point. I assume there was a lot on the microbiome and, and the, the, you know, the, the quickly emerging um, new information with respect to that. Do you have any comments on that and, and what your thoughts are with respect to the future of IEQ and, and, and the impact the microbiome has on it? You know, the Sloan Foundation actually did have a, a track at, uh, at uh, Indoor Air, and thank you for reminding me about that. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, the question really is how clean do our buildings need to be, and uh, should we differentiate between healthy uh, indoor microbiomes and, and unhealthy ones, and will this field of, of inquiry, the science that's being done, uh, lead us in the direction of picking uh, control methods for uh, indoor air quality that promote healthier uh, indoor microbiomes? So the first task, I think, is to figure out what, what the healthy one is, and the second is, how can I design my building and my HVAC systems and my maintenance procedures so that I promote the good germs, uh, so to speak, and, uh, and control the, the bad ones, where we're currently still in the area, era of anything microbiological in my, my home. It's like a bug. I want to kill it. I like that. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, what, how do you promote the good stuff? And, you know, that's a, there's a tough 
a real tough uh, set of questions there. What I'd like to do real quick is um, if you could just mention for us the, the 2016 ASHRAE's 2016 IAQ conference, what the, the goals are there and how far along you are with that. And then we've got to go to the roundup. I'd like to get Dr. Wow in here and get, get some comments from him. He typically has some great insight and, and maybe a question. Can you hang in there for an extra five minutes today or do you have to run? Uh, no problem. All right, great. Let's go to the roundup, Jess. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw hide. Cut him out, ride him in, ride him in, let him out, cut him out, ride him in, raw Yeah, what I'd like to do, Cliff, let's get you a shot first. Um, do you have anything you'd like to ask or add uh, before we uh, turn it over to Dr. Wow? I think the only thing, Joe, would be the question that was texted in, uh, and that question is, are any studies planned involving real occupants and their real comfort and health complaints, i.e., how are real people affected by indoor contaminants? Um, is ASHRAE planning that, I guess, is uh, is the question. And I think that's the sort of thing that uh, that ASHRAE should be doing that the Environmental Health Committee would propose. I, I don't have a list of current projects right in front of me, so I can't say whether there's anything that's going on right now. But certainly um, studies like the ones that have been done in schools on on learning and, and some recent studies that have been done, uh, for example, of the effects of CO2 on, on the decision-making ability. That's the kind of research we need, and, and we are seeing some of that being done today, but uh, not enough yet. Okay, thanks. And do you um, do you have any plans at Penn State for that type of research? Is there anything that, that kind of matches that that you're aware of now and in, in what you're doing? Uh I'm not actively engaged in it right now, but it, uh, as I said, that's an area I'm very interested in, and I'm, I'm trying to uh, uh, to see what we can do to uh, to start to do something on that issue. Okay. Before we turn it over to Dr. Wow, if you could just briefly mention the, the IAQ, the 2016 ASHRAE IAQ conference. Is that something that's set in stone, or we're still working on that? I know it's a few years down the road. No, I, I uh, was asked to be the chair of it, and of course, while I was actually president, I didn't have any time to to do anything about it. So I'm just getting going on it now, selecting a steering committee. Uh, but I had some good meetings with uh, uh, Paul Francisco, who's the incoming chair of environmental health from the University of Illinois, and uh, Pavel Orgachki, who's the outgoing chair of environmental health when we were at uh, Indoor Air. And we're thinking about, uh, I mean, very uh, close to, to finalizing uh, a Washington, D.C. Uh, location and a, a theme of defining indoor air quality policy standards and best practices. And the IAQ conference that ASHRAE does has typically tried to focus on important practical issues. And, and I think that uh, by having that kind of a topic, we can complement uh, what the more science-focused conferences like uh, ISIAC indoor air are doing. And, and so what I'd like to do is have policy makers, uh, not just from U.S., from Washington, but certainly from there, but also maybe from Europe, 
from Asia come in and talk about uh, their uh, ideas about policies related to uh, indoor air quality, and then uh, look at how we're doing with uh, with developing standards that are actually guiding uh, design and, uh, and construction and operation of buildings, uh, but also leave a best practices track there to to see what the people who are pushing the envelope are doing. So I'm I'm uh, very excited about that theme and what we might be able to do with it. That we we still have a lot of work to do to put it together. Well, hopefully we can get you back when you're a little further down the line on that and, and talk about some of the things we kind of skimmed over today. I'd love to get in more depth with you on and then uh, help promote that as well. Yeah, we'd be happy to come back. Great, great. Let's get uh, Dr. Wow on the line here. All right, Dieter, do we have you on the line? Yes, I am here. No I'm problem. Sure, you've got a few comments on this one, Dieter. I certainly do. I mean, I'm aware of Ashray for <laughs> I hate to say that just about fifty years, <laughs> 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 and I remember at that first uh, uh, that was quite interesting. By the way, uh, for those people who don't know Ashray, uh, you know, as the organization, they have fantastic publications. And I remember I was a mechanical engineering student, and we at the time could buy as students, what was it, the Ashray Funda book on fundamentals? Yeah, the four-volume fundamentals series, yeah. <clears throat> at the time, it was only, I think, one volume. I'm talking 50 years back. And I think the students we bought... The one that were, quote, outdated, there was a, yeah, a new revision, a new edition out, and by the old one, <laughs> a lot of things in there have not changed, will not change, and if they do change, we will be in deep trouble, because their basic physics in there and so on was an excellent book. I was involved with some committees from ASHRAE, and I'm not a patient person, and Bill will understand that. When you have a committee with 50 people in it, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling how slowly things are moving. And you can't get them all together at the same time, and then these are there, and then the one, oh, I wasn't able to do something, but I wanted to add the following. It's a very painful and slow process, and uh, I, I don't have a solution to do it any better if you want to do it in a somewhat democratic way where, yeah, other than say, hey, we, we set the rules and then we publish it and that is it. You know, but Dieter, somehow they, they keep pumping out standards. Bill, how, how do you do that? How do you round that, you know, 50 people uh, heard up and, and actually keep them moving and, and presenting new standards? Well, I, th I think we have a very good uh, set of, of procedures. You know, we're one of the, the few uh, ANSI audited designators that are uh, – allowed to, uh, to oversee their own standards process, and we have a great uh, standards committee staff that, uh, that assists those committees in doing their work. But uh, I, I agree the standards process, if that's what Peter is talking about, can be painfully slow, painfully slow, because it's a consensus process. And, you know, as we like to say, you know, the, the, what the consensus process results in is, is a standard that makes everyone equally unhappy. So <laughs> compromising. Well, that is kind of what I wanted to say, but that is all right. <laughs> but there's a lot of good stuff in there. But the other thing is just an observation. When I went to school, I started at Pitt in 19... 
62 uh, in the mechanical engineering department. Mm-hmm. The word uh, environmental, indoor air quality in the School of Engineering uh, it was never mentioned. The words didn't exist. Nobody paid attention to it. And even I, even later on, when I was a graduate student, later on a PhD student, when I was a doctoral student in the Graduate School of Public Health, uh, the first time we kind of talked about sick buildings and so on is when that happened in Philadelphia with the Legionnaires' disease. And then we started sample, air samples and stuff like that. But even there, we, there wasn't really... How should I say that? I don't say that they were intentionally ignored, but the the topics were just not hot enough. And um, then I later on uh, started teaching across the street again in the School of Engineering in the Chemical Engineering Department. And at the time, and this is again 25 years ago or something like that, at least, 25 years ago, uh, there were chemical engineering students. They had never heard of EPA and OSHA. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, like I said, it was not done deliberately. It, 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 there were just not people there who had the knowledge and the interest in it. And I'm glad to hear the, uh, yeah, what Bill has said there. You know, we are working uh, on this and that and that and that. And we have a focus in certain areas at Penn State, and it doesn't matter where it is. I'm sure it is going on in many other universities, too, whether it's South or North Carolina, in Indiana, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. But um, I, I, I hope that the new generation of engineers, that they grow up with it, appreciate it, and put their nose into it, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, and uh, become become proficient in there. Uh, like I said, uh, there are a ton, a ton of good publications out there uh, with the Astro name on it. And they are, I mean, some of them have stood the time, uh, uh, the test of time uh, for 50 years. And they're excellent. And uh, I certainly recommend them to if uh, young engineers are uh, listening. Uh, I certainly recommend that. Look into it. It's 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 a lot of information there. Uh, if you've uh, have touched on uh, what could be a long discussion, but I know we're out of time, and that is that where HVAC at, at least used to be a a, uh, a fairly respectable uh, specialty in a mechanical engineering department, it's almost yes. completely disappeared. Almost yes. completely disappeared. So how can you teach indoor air quality uh, when you're barely teaching? Uh, the, the thermal fundals, fundamentals of mechanical systems. So architectural I, engineering is a nice place to be and, and be able to do that. I think, Bill, I think I was the last one to teach a ventilation course at the University of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is anybody in there. At the time, we concentrated in the IEHS, that is the Industrial Environmental a safety and health department, or whatever it was called, yeah. we uh, more or less concentrated on industrial ventilation, uh, you know, to control asbestos, fibers, and lead, and all of those other good things. And um, 
We did not look, and I at the time did not look into ventilation systems uh, for residential buildings. And even today what I see and what Joe sees, and I'm sure what you see when you do that, many of those systems are afterthoughts. Oh, guys, wait a second. You need a heating system. Oh, where the heck do we put? Ah, here's a little bit of room up there, and then six elbows, we go over there. And maybe we put another hole in there, and we need some. Yeah, that's not the way to, quote, design or put in or install a ventilation system. Yeah, there, there, there are basic rules to it, and um, uh, I think they should be part of the engineering and the architectural drawings on day one, not when the building is finished. <laughs> well, I think we're getting a little better at that, but um, Dieter, any, anything that you want to uh, add before we wrap it up? Oh, sorry, I think we lost Dieter. Anyway, uh, Dr. Bonfleth. Any final comments? Anything we missed? Anything you'd like to add? I, I think it's been uh, very comprehensive. I, given that uh, you might invite me back sometime, I think I'll just uh, uh, stand on what I've already said. Well, you know, we really appreciate getting you. We tried for a while now, to, and we finally were able to connect dates that worked out for both of us. And uh, it's been a, a great interview. We really appreciate you joining us. And I look forward to uh, meeting in person down the road at one of these conferences or uh, actually we're not too far apart from each other here so maybe at one of the local ASHRAE meetings or something like that well, look forward to it and it's been a pleasure glad to have the opportunity to talk to your audience alright well this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thank you to this week's guest Dr. William Bonfleth out of Penn State past president of ASHRAE thanks to my engineer Jess nice job seemed like things went well of course to the Z-Man Cliff Zlotnick go back in Studio C Cliff have a great weekend you too, Joe. Um, also to our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Weil, but most importantly to our growing group of loyal listeners. Nice live crowd on today. Uh, I'm sure we'll get plenty of downloads on this one. And we will be back um, actually in two weeks, I believe it's going to be. Uh, Cliff's working on a show. Uh, we'll get the announcements out. We're going to take a little time off here in August, but uh, we'll get the show announcement out, and um, we'll get Cliff's blog out the middle of next week. Along with that will be our schedule for the rest of the month of August. Uh, well, for the month of August, we're almost done with July here. I'll uh, come back and join us for the next episode of IAQ Radio. Uh-huh.